We are uh, chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul's uh, letter to the churches there. And um, I mentioned this like right when we first began and have uh, skipped it since. But this is one of the books where they're kind of, there's kind of debate. Was, was this a, a letter he wrote early, early on in his ministry, or is it, was it a letter he wrote on, uh, late in his ministry? You know, there's, there's some argument as to how many missionary journeys Paul had. Was it two or was it three, depending on how you count. And the question is, um, was this information from the beginning or was it from the very end? And um, I want to submit this morning kind of in light of what we're going to talk about. Uh, it doesn't matter. There's some level of truth is truth. And truth, when it's real, is timeless. Uh, the stuff we work on as men in our men's group, we work on it because it's timeless, because it's true, uh, because it's who God called us to be and designed us to be from the moment he created uh, Adam and, and long before that, right? Because God knew what he was doing before Adam came on the scene. And so... Um, I hope that we see today, we're going to talk about our freedom in Christ. Our freedom in Christ actually, it, it's like um, it opens up a field where we think it just frees us for a couple things and boy, we're free from sin and we're free from death. And it actually opens up a field, a pasture that like is endless possibilities. And and so I kind of want to, I want to have you look at it as more than just freedom, but look at it as opportunities. Because regardless of when Paul wrote it, if it's true, how it plays out, the opportunities that come out of it are endless. Um, and so uh, let's jump in. We're at Galatians chapter 5. We'll pray and then uh, we'll get into the second word of the passage. Lord, thanks for this morning. And thank you for the opportunity to worship, to know you. Thank you that you're an interactive God. Thank you for some of the things that we just sang. One of them we're going to talk about in a few minutes, Lord. I pray kind of this morning more than most mornings how grateful I am that you want to know us, that you want to engage with us. And I pray, Lord, that, that we would see that's what our freedom's about. And so thanks for this letter. Thanks for the churches that received it, the guy that wrote it. Most importantly, Lord, thanks that we get it today. Help us to make sense of it and walk out of here a little better off, a little clearer for having heard it. We trust to honor your son and be guided by your spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Now, if you're writing a sermon... For a Sunday, and your passage mentions the same word twice within like six words in the first sentence, it's pretty easy to pick the topic, right? For freedom, Christ has set us free. Does it sound like a little bit simple and plain? Hey, Paul, you're stating the obvious. Why would he have to state the obvious? Let's say for that church? Why would he have to say? I mean, because we, we wouldn't want to have to say, like, for us. Why would he have to state the obvious for us? 
Could it be that because we many times go in opposition to the obvious? We run into the wind. Or as my, my buddies used to say, never spit in the wind. Right? It's like you're not thinking. It's as plain as day and you're still doing what you're doing and still getting the same result. That's a definition of crazy. I think in some ways we could say Paul's here saying, stop being crazy. Figure out how this is supposed to work. I was talking to somebody this week and they were, they were talking about uh, somebody they had met um, who had become a Christian um, but really done no work at it. Claim that they had a relationship with Christ, but they haven't read anything, haven't studied anything, and they're not putting any effort into it. And then I was talking to them about another person that they met who'd only been a Christian for a year. And in that year, they'd studied so much, read so much, pursued their relationship with the Lord so much, that the church they were in put them in a position where they had a little bit of leadership. Because after one year, they were already vastly ahead of the majority of the congregation. Is that weird, or is that how it works? I think what Paul's getting at is, let's, let's pay attention to why we're here. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Paul's referencing the first four chapters where he's talked about this some reason. The Galatian church has decided that we're going to bring up this idea of circumcision again. Do we have to be circumcised? And then they were coming up with other laws probably at the same time, all these rules. And Paul's saying, wait, wait a minute, rules was Old Testament. Rules was prior covenant. Rules was the law. Rules was set in place to show you you can't ever live up. You're always going to make some mistakes. Christ came, died on the cross, freed us, solved sin so that you could be free and you're not checking off rules anymore. Problem is, we're really good at checking off rules. We love making lists, and uh, and sports like today. At the end of the game, they're not going to say, "Well, it was a well played game. We're glad everybody participated." And here's your ribbons for participation. At the end of the game, what will they be talking about? The winner. And how will they know the winner? They keep score, because that's who we are. We're humans. We keep score. Think about this. God might not be keeping score anymore. It begs the question, well, what is he doing if he's not keeping score? Because if he's not doing law anymore because of Christ, then what is he doing? And Paul says, oh, that's easy. He's doing freedom. What's that look like? It means don't make a bunch of rules for yourself or others. Look, he says, verse two, I like Paul. I want to meet Paul. He says, look. Right? You ever, you ever been talking to somebody and they're like, look? Right? What does that mean when they do that to you? Or have you ever done that to somebody? You're talking to somebody and they're not getting it, and you're like, look. What are you trying to do? Huh? The interactive portion of the morning, folks. What are they trying to do? Look. Emphasize. Because why? You missed the first emphasis. You're right? You put the wrong... You, you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. You got it wrong. I borrowed that from, uh, I think it was Brian Regan, the comedian. Does a great job on that thing. 
Paul says, look, you're, you're, you're emphasizing the wrong things. I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, if you go back to this rules-based thing, Christ will be no longer an advantage to you. What he's kind of saying is what Christ did on the cross, you've kind of thrown it out. It doesn't matter to you anymore. It's not the highest priority. Now, how many of you want to stand before God? And he's talking to you and he's like, hey, you had a decent life, fairly good job with the kids, so-so with your spouse, but you made it here. Right? How many of you want to have that conversation with him? And then he says, here's my problem though. I killed my son on the cross, made him go through death, torture, crown of thorns, hike a hill, carry a thing. Um, and you ignored it. You acted like it was nothing. You're in trouble. Anybody want to have that conversation with God? This is Paul's kind of saying. Anytime you add rules to the cross, you've cheapened the cross. You've cheapened Christ's accomplishment. When God says, this is the only thing I want you to look at. We're not keeping score anymore. Why? Because he won. That game's over. Now we're playing a different game. And Paul's saying, figure out what the new game is. Right? You're, you're, you're with a family and you're playing a, playing a board game and you play it one round. It was kind of fun. And then you're like, oh, I got to play again. And you play it again. And maybe you play it a third time. And, and eventually you go, eh, what? I'm bored. That's why they call them board games. Right? Because after a while, you get bored. And then you say, what? I want to play a, a new game. Let's play a different. Hey, get the other box out. Right? That's what's going on here. And so uh, at that point, you wouldn't say, no, let's go back and play the boring game. Let's get that one out again. That's what's going on. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. Verse 3. So if you're going to start doing laws, then guess what? Now you have to do all the laws. Because you've thrown out the cross. You've thrown out what Christ sacrificed. So if that's the game you're going to play, now you've got to do all that stuff. And start covering your head and only cutting your hair at certain times and all this stuff. Now you got to invest in turtle doves. It's just, it's not good. You are served, or excuse me, you are severed from Christ. That means you've been cut off from Christ. You've been separated from Christ. You've been cut off from Christ. Does anybody... Get the irony and the comedy here. This is Paul saying you shouldn't do circumcision. If you do circumcision, you're cut off from Christ. You're not catching it? In circumcision, you cut something off. It says if you're going to cut something off, then you're also cut off from Christ. This is Paul making fun of them. Stop doing this. Right? Paul's very punny. You're severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. What's that mean? There's something coming. You don't need to keep score now because what you value is later. Six, verse six. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor circumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. We're not keeping score. 
we're doing faith. We're not keeping score, we're doing love. You were running well, verse 7, you were doing, you were doing pretty well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Why'd you stop? He said, you want to do obedience? Do obedience to truth rather, rather than obedience to laws. The rules that other people make up. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. You see, verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. There's a penalty that comes from trying to make rules for other people. Who bears that penalty? The other people? Say no. When you make rules for other people, you're the one that suffers. That one probably needs to sink in. That probably should have been a fill-in. When you make rules for other people, you're the one that gets hurt, not them. Verse 11. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, folks, this is just funny. Paul said, you know, if you cut something off, then you're cutting yourself off from Christ. And he's saying, if you're really going to pursue this and you're going to push this among, you should just cut the whole thing off. You can't make this stuff up. Is Paul serious? It's kind of this idea that, you know, when you make rules and, and stuff or something cause a problem for you. It's, it's like Jesus said, you know, if your eye causes you to sin, you just take your eye out. Do whatever it takes to stop doing that. Instead, he says, be loving and faithful. He's going to add a third thing to that in a little bit. Verse 13, for you were called to what? Freedom. Was it just you? Or were other people called to freedom too? that freedom just for you or do other people get to have freedom oh really you know the best way to know that you for you were called to freedom any guesses on whether you is singular or plural there it's plural it's meant for everybody there's not one set for you and one thing for other people we're meant to be free. Let's, help, let's see what he uh, means by that. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You're making rules about the flesh. He says don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Your ability to keep score. Oh, you know, they missed church last week. I don't know about them. No, you're keeping score. You know, they said this, and I don't know if I agree with that. That's keeping score. Well, how do you know, Scott, what's keeping score? It, is it judging? I was talking to John Tompkins the other day about the word should. We use the word should. There's a little bit of judgment that comes in it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, you should probably sit somewhere else. He says, how'd that feel? Do you feel the judgment in that? Anytime you judge, you're keeping score. Anytime you judge, you're taking, you're trying to take someone's freedom. 
You know who, whose freedom you're actually taking? Any guesses? You're taking your own freedom away. Because you make a rule for them, guess who's got to follow that rule? You do. You were called to freedom, brothers. Don't use it for the flesh, but use it to what? Love and serve one another. That's the new game. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. You get to biting, that leads to eating. And eventually everything's gone. You ever notice that? Like a little bag of chips? You really, really like the chips. I was just going to have one. No one will notice. Right? A little while later, just going to have one. No one will notice. Next time, they're so good. I'm going to have two. Right? By the end of the day, your wife comes in and like, where's the chips? What chips? I don't know what you're talking about. It's like once you start down that road, it progresses. That snowball effect. But I say, verse 16, walk by the Spirit. We're about to get in some verses that you remember, that you've heard before. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. There's two different games going on. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You want to be free. You want to be in a rule-free world. And yet, we struggle on how to get there. Because in order to get to a rule-free world, we've got to make some rules. It's cyclical. It's, it's trouble. But if you're led by the Spirit, verse 18, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, enviness, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Did you have to really add in things like these? I thought you covered all of them. You pretty much the list was so long. That's why we went through it so fast. Is it meant to be anything like that? Is the list meant to be much, much longer? Absolutely. It's meant to be anything that's self-serving. That's what gets you in trouble. Well, let's, let's compare it then to the other, other list, right? I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Man. But the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, here you go. You heard this one before. In fact, there's a little jingle that goes with it. Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Ever grow up learning that song? Yeah, I did, but it sounded better than when you just sang it, Scott. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Tell me what one of those things does not benefit someone else. Every single one of those things benefits someone else. They're in the interest of others as well rather than just your own interest. That's the difference between the two. And those, verse 24, who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited 
provoke, provoking one another, envying one another. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Do we live in a time where we provoke one another, where people are conceited and they're poking and jabbing at each other? Been anybody, around anybody grumpy lately? Yeah? Yeah? It's a dangerous thing that we do, and we do it really, really well. Negativity, pessimism, they're all tied together. They're all similar, thi- similar things. And yet Paul says, no, you were called to freedom. What's freedom? What were we called to be free from? Well, number one, I want you to see the first verse. I put it at the top of your outline right there. It says, uh, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, right? We're going to have to stand firm in something or on something. There's a place you're supposed to be. There's an implication there. And do not submit to something that takes you away from that. So what I want us to look at right now with these fill-ins is where are we supposed to stand? What, What are we building our foundation on? Number one, freedom from law and penalty. Freedom from law and penalty. There's a penalty from opposing God. Now, uh, welcome to Rock Bible Church, Christ Center, biblically based, compelling casual community, right? We've heard this thing before compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves a a greater community. Now, you know this church a little bit. Do we do hellfire and brimstone? You're all going to die. You're all sinners. Do we do that? No, we don't. But there are times where we got to mention, outside of God, it does not work. We've yet to find an instance we're outside of God, it works. We don't need to call that hellfire and brimstone. We're just going to say there's a design, there's a creation, there's intention and purpose behind it. And when you go off the path, you get lost in the weeds. And you get those little sticker things and they poke you in the leg and it festers. And, right? Uh, there is a penalty. We go after people, there's a penalty. No, they'll feel the penalty. They'll feel persecuted, whatever. But who are you really penalizing? Who are you really hurting? Yourself, right? So there's freedom from law and penalty through grace and faith. Who are your two favorite women? What? What are you talking about, Scott? Your two favorite women? Uh, my wife and my mom my wife and my daughter uh i don't know no. two favorite women are grace and faith you have made uh names out of those two concepts for women why why did those become names for people i mean there's we we get like like a lot of weird names i go what's his name his name's red how do you get the name Red? Well, look at his hair. Red, that's it. That's for his hair. That's, that's all the meaning there is behind that. How did grace and faith become women's names? Someone figured out how amazing they were. 
And then they said, I get a little girl and I think she's as amazing as that concept. I'm going to call her faith. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying the idea that God has done for you something for you, like grace, sacrifice himself for you, graciously, like giving you a gift you cannot earn. That is amazing. And then he says, by the way, don't forget her twin sister. You know grace and faith are twins? Yeah, faith. You got to believe it. You got to believe it. If you don't believe it, well, you miss out. No worries. Look behind curtain number two. There's penalty for you. Johnny, tell him what he's won. We've got to recognize that there's two sides. Paul says it a couple different ways, right? He gave you two lists. He said the spirit and the flesh, rules and freedom. He's trying to show you there's a dichotomy. Well, that's a big word. Two different things. You got to pick one of the roads, right? Now, a couple verses for you to reference in your own reading, because I was thinking about this this week. Do you have to read Galatians chapter 5 ever again? I mean, Scott covered it on Sunday, so I don't have to read it. No, you could read it this week. Why, why do I provide those little numbers underneath the fill-ins for you? Why, why do I provide those? So I know what to reference in the verses if I want to make some more comments when you're filling in the blanks. Yes. Okay, you've figured out one of my speech patterns. But more importantly, isn't it for you to go read through Galatians 5 and maybe meditate on it? Do a little devotion on it, on your own. Now you've been introduced to the topic. Have you covered it because we introduced it today? Or you just got an introduction? Like, it's like meeting a person. Hi, I'm Scott. Oh, hi. Hey, do you know them? No. Have you met him? Yes. Was there a difference? Yeah, how do you know him? How do you know Scott? You spend time with him, Right? And over time, you start to get to know who he is. Uh, scripture's that way, folks. So that's what the verses, uh, references and things are for. All right, number two. Uh, freedom to enjoy instead of earn. That, that's a huge concept. Did you know, and I, I'm, I get issues, folks. I'm a little angry with some people in my past have told me that God does not want me to be happy. You can't find it in the Bible anywhere that God wants you to be happy. He wants you to be joyous. Great for, thanks for splitting hairs. I reject that. I rebuke that. I believe that God wants you to be happy right now. And I think he wants you to do that through contentment, faith, love, positivity, all these things. You should be enjoying where you are, who you are, and who he lets you play with. Right? You ever showed up at the sandbox when you were a kid? And you're like, play! And you look around, no one's here. I'm going to build a castle and no one's going to see it. More importantly, I'm going to build a castle and when I destroy it, no one's going to see it. And then somebody walks up it's the joy of, oh, I, get, I get to be with somebody else. I get to enjoy this more. 
Know this. You can always be enjoying your life more than you are now. Is that awesome or did it hurt? Both, maybe? Uh, and you're supposed to enjoy it instead of earn. If you're constantly earning, if you're tr constantly trying to score points with God or make the pastor happy or appease your spouse or whatever it is, get your certain grade level or earn a certain check, you're always chasing. And the chase might be fun, but how are you enjoying the journey if you're always on the earning cycle? You have to always prove yourself. That's rough. You do not have to prove yourself to God. It's the most backwards thing I've ever heard of. He knows exactly who you are. Do you know why? He made you. There's nothing to prove. In fact, if you believe in like ordination, like that God has ordained some things, we use it for our pastors and uh, is he ordained? That's uh, a fancy word for God has set things in place ahead of time. If we believe in predestination or sovereignty. I, then I wonder if God's not up in heaven with the angels and Peter and Jesus going, watch this, watch this. He's about to screw up. Watch. This is going to be awesome. I wonder if it's like front row binge watching. Uh, this is how God does binge watching. I wrote the script and now it's going to play out. This is awesome. Watch. Watch the role that I've given Scott today. This is going to be hilarious. He won't like it, but boy, we're going to enjoy it. And here's why I think God could enjoy it with the angels and Peter and Jesus. Because he knows nothing's at stake. When we keep score, we're keeping score of things that don't matter. He's looking at you while you're looking at other stuff. And he's saying, stop trying to earn it. You can never earn it because uh, it's already been bought. Right? Jesus earned it on the cross. Uh, number three, freedom to love, work, and serve. What are we tracking? We're not tracking church attendance. We're not tracking how many times you failed. We're tracking whether you have a loving heart, a working heart, a serving heart. And here's, here's the, um, this one's going to hurt, okay? People can tell right off. Like when you're a loving, working, serving kind of person, people can tell. They're around you and they're like, oh, you like them? Yeah, what about them? I don't know, I just like them. They talked to me. They were nice to me. Whatever. They smiled at me. When you're anything else, they can tell. Hey, what was with them today? You ever left an environment? Tonight, some of you are going to leave the little thing we do here. You're going to leave, and, and there will be somebody where you can say, hey, what was with so-and-so tonight? Are they okay? Why? Because everybody can tell. They can tell when you're being good and you're trying. They can tell when you're giving up. So, so pick one. Pick the one that doesn't have penalty. Pick the one that you can freely exercise and experiment with some stuff. Do you, you know it's almost impossible to fail when you're trying to love people? When you're trying to work at something? When you're trying to serve? As people say, well, you know, it didn't work, but they tried. Were you going to call them next time? Yeah, but they failed. Yeah, but they tried. 
And the next time, I want people to try. Because if we mess it up really bad, at least I want somebody who is trying to mess it up with me. Those are the kind of people we want to be around. Be that person, Paul says. That draws people in rather than make rules to separate them, right? To require people to get circumcised was going to say, you're, you're, we're going to cut you off if you don't comply to something. We say that welcome all to worship. That's not to sound all-inclusive or politically correct. That's to keep us out of trouble with God. That's who's he want here? People that follow the rules? Or anybody? Anybody, which is good news. That means you're allowed to come. Hope to see you next week. All right. Uh, there's three, <clears throat> four. Last one. Here we go. And this is probably the biggest one. Freedom to be led and live by the Spirit. There's a couple little phrases there. He says, when you are led by the Spirit, then you do this. You don't give opportunity to the flesh, right? Who led you astray? Who hindered you? There's this idea of leading, right? And when you start following a leading, now you're living it. Is it a good leading or a bad leading? That's a big question. I love, I was listening this morning, we're all singing, we are chosen, not what? Not forsaken. I started spinning. I have this problem during worship. I start spinning on thoughts of what we're singing. Not forsaken from what? What has not been forsook? Like not, not forsaken. You've been called or chosen, sorry, and not forsaken. Cho chosen just like, uh, well, your name's going to be this. That's it. Or you've been called to more than that. And not forsaken, what does that mean? Like he died on the cross and so now we don't have to worry about sin? Or not forsaken from all of the other things that could play out? all the other leadings that could get you in trouble, all the other irrational thinking or unhealthy or hurtful emotions. You're, you're not forsaken in so many other ways beyond just what happened at the cross. Every moment since then. You're not forsaken for being alone. See, he wants to lead you. When you start figuring out where he wants to lead you and how he wants to lead you, and you try living that, not only have you avoided penalty, you're leaning into blessing. What could a relationship really look like? What could be a job that you no longer called work because it's so much fun? You ever heard somebody talk about their job? Hey, what, what do you do? Oh, I, I do something. Oh, is that where you work? He said, oh, no, I don't work. I love it. I can't call it work. I'm having too much fun. Don't you hate those people? No, I'm one of them, by the way. Right? Uh, could your relationship with the Lord be like that? What do you believe? Well, I, I believe in Christ. Oh, really? Because you don't sound like it. Now you should tell your face that you believe in Christ. 
Because you look grumpy. At some point, we, we lean into it and we follow the leading. And here's, here's what I wonder. We're five chapters into Paul. Have, have you started to understand him a little bit? Have you started to think kind of the way he thinks? Are you starting to know Paul? You know, the more time we spend with someone or on a thing, the more we understand it, the more we get clarity, the more we feel like we start to know them. Do you know, it's, it's meant to be Paul, yes. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't wait to meet him. I hear he's short and limps. But I feel like I'm going to run into him at heaven. And I'm like, uh, hi, I'm Scott. And he's going to be like, hi, I'm Paul. You're him? I got all these questions, right? There's a little bit of me who looks forward to meeting him. Why? Because I feel like I know some of him already. Your relationship with the Lord is like that as well. You take your freedom and start investing, following, thinking, trying, living. Let his spirit lead. You start to understand it. It's going to make more sense. You're going to start to think that way. And he's going to show you more freedoms. That's how it's meant to work. Amen? And when you do that, you'll never have to tell your face. Because you'll be having so much fun that you couldn't call it work. How are you bound? Off the passage, off the notes. What, what's constricting you? What are you chained to? What rules do you have for other people? Uh, more importantly, what rules do you have for others? Yourself? What do you let go of? How could you create freedom for someone else? How are you creating freedom for yourself? These are great Bible study questions. Group questions. Or just meditation questions. Am I, am I a child of freedom? Or am I a child of constriction? Lord, thanks for our, um, our freedom. Thank you, yes, for what uh, your son did and what it means. Lord, help us to see, Lord, how it, how it plays out for us. How do we think, feel? What do we observe? And then, Lord, even, like, how do we want things? What do we want? Pray, Lord, you show us how to follow a leading, how to really live. I pray we do it in such a way that other people would see and they would think, man, that person is doing well. Uh, or even say, that, that person looks free. I want to know about that. And then, Lord, give us opportunities to share it. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.